Welcome to Kibia, the spirit of sauna. Join your hosts, Alan Jalishaw and Alyssa Lansdell, as they explore the history, culture, and lifestyle of sauna. Whether you're a lifelong aficionado and expert like Alan, a relative newbie and budding enthusiast like Alyssa, or just curious to see what all the fuss is about, this is the podcast for you. Sauna is so much more than meets the eye, so breathe deep, get comfortable, and share in the search for the true spirit of sauna. Hello and welcome to a very special two-part episode of Kivia the Spirit of Sauna. We are dedicating these two episodes to at-home residential saunas. So if you are in the market for, or you know, you've been listening to the podcast and you are seriously considering the addition of a sauna to your home, we're going to try to lay the groundwork for you with, I guess what you could say, news you can use, right, Alan? Right, absolutely. So whether you're planning to build one yourself or you're shopping around or you're looking at kits or custom designs, you're absolutely going to have some questions. So that's what I'm here for because I love answering sauna questions. And we love asking them. Now, I know we've talked a lot about uh, outdoor saunas. We've also touched on indoor saunas. They're very different in terms of what you need to consider. So I suppose that's the best place to start. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. That's the first decision that I would recommend you make is deciding between an indoor or an outdoor sauna. Now, some people will have already decided, they've done their research, they've done their homework, they've made a decision based on whatever that may be. But for those who have no idea or not sure which one they should go to, I'm going to recommend you consider an outdoor sauna because that is going to give you the most authentic Finnish sauna experience. Yeah, so let's just dedicate this episode to residential outdoor saunas then. Let's just talk about outside for today. Full outdoor today, indoor next time. So for those of you who are still thinking, hmm, my basement has this nice space in it, I want to turn into a sauna, we got you covered. But for now, I want to know, Alan, why your preference of outdoor sauna for residential use? You say authenticity, yeah? Authenticity. So generally speaking, the most authentic sauna would be with a wood burning heater. The heat Mm -hmm. is created by wood and that's really difficult to do inside the house. So it's a lot easier outside. That's the number one reason. Yeah. Okay. Also uh, from the cooling off portion of the sauna experience, you have access to a pool or a hot tub or a shower or rolling in the snow. All of that is a little easier to obtain when your sauna is outdoors. So for those two reasons, that's why I recommend an outdoor sauna, but I can understand there are other considerations and electric heaters are good. Indoor saunas are very good as well, but this is my recommendation. For sure. And there's nothing like the wood burning, right? And it's only available. You can't have a wood burning sauna inside unless you want to do something highly illegal and dangerous, right? Yeah, it's it's (laughs) difficult. I'll be honest. There are cases where you can hook up a wood burning heater inside, but it's, it's, feasibly difficult. So for all intents and purposes, I don't want to really go down that path right now. Um, So if you want wood burning, the sound is going to need to be outside. Yeah. And I mean, for me, you just went, oh, when I mentioned wood burning, and that's kind of how I feel. There's something about it, right? It's a special kind of heat. It's very rudimentary. It's very rough, but it feels different than electric. Uh, You can smell the wood burning. The heat just feels different. It's just and it's an incredible heat. So 
the heat alone, in my opinion, is a better heat. Yeah. It certainly smells better. I'm a very uh, sensory person and I love the smell of the wood burning. There's nothing like it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what do we have to consider then when choosing the, you know, maybe people have a different preference or maybe they have different requirements. Uh, What considerations do we need to keep in mind uh, when we're considering wood burning versus electric? Well, there's the biggest thing is your, your willingness to do wood burning um, because it is a little more work. You're going to have to start the fire. You're going to have to watch the fire, make sure it's always burning. You're going to have to go back every 20, 30 minutes, add more wood. You're going to have to learn to control the wood, the wood burning. That's not for everybody. Some people really like that portion of it. I love it, but not everybody likes that. So that's certainly one consideration is the extra little bit of extra work. And then on the side of the electric heater, is your ability to have that electrical power running out to wherever your sauna may be. Mm-hmm. So that may be the power within your house or the ability to run cable or an electrical system or service out to the sauna. That also may be a, a factor. So those two things are probably going to be your deciding factor. Yeah, interesting. It sounds like whether you want an electric fireplace or a wood burning fireplace, there's a lot of people right. who just love the convenience of flipping that switch versus yep. people like me who are more purists who just love the experience of, you know, getting the wood, bringing the wood in, starting that the, the ritual of it and I suppose that's really where where you land in that second category. Yeah, I love the ritual and the importance of the ritual is for me and I hope other people see it as well is once you start that fire you're getting in sauna mode. It, yeah. It's kind of, for me, it's a trigger. It's that, it's like the appetizer before the meal. Right. It, it gets me in the smells, the sounds. Now I'm thinking about sound. I'm starting to relax. I'm kind of, you know, getting away from everything. That's why, one of the reasons why I enjoy it the most. And I hope other people see that. Yeah. But I can also appreciate from a convenience point of view or less work side of things, if you just want to turn the heater on and step away and come back an hour later and it's ready to go. I can see that as well. Yeah, definitely pros and cons to both. And it's reminding me of, you know, people doing more and more work at home and the idea that they want that little ritual to kind of end the work day and begin the relaxation. So if you had a a wood burning sauna in the backyard, that might be a nice indicator that your work day is done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, cost is a factor too. Uh, What does it cost to heat wood burning versus electrical? I have no idea. They're actually very similar and it's very little. We're huh. talking like dollars, like two, three, four dollars per sauna use for either one. Okay. So wood burning, if you have your own wood, well then, you know, it's going to be pretty ex- inexpensive if you have to go buy it. Even yeah. through many, many saunas, it's literally a couple of dollars. And surprisingly, okay. electricity is the same. You're only operating the sauna for a couple of hours and it cycles on and off to maintain the heat. So you're you're literally looking at two, three, four dollars per use. So. Okay, yeah. I mean, when you think about the investment to begin with, I don't think that's neither one is pro- <laughs> you know for for either option not prohibitive. That's really good to know. Right. Um, the operating the operating cost is is pretty negligible. It's obviously the cost of constructing the sound and purchasing the product, purchasing the items. That's that's where your cost is. Yeah, which is good to know because I know people who've had I I know people who bought this home with this amazing indoor pool and hot tub and they had to shut it down at some point because the costs were so prohibitive. But this is right. a totally different story. Totally different animal. Yeah. Amazing. Very inexpensive. 
Okay. So if you can afford to have a sauna, you can absolutely afford to keep it. It's not a Jaguar. (laughs) Awesome. Oh gosh. Yeah. Let's not get started on that. Imagine (laughs) the parts and all that. Okay. So we've decided now, let's assume we've decided we want it outdoors and we've settled on either wood burning or electric. So what is next? What's the next step? Well, now's the fun part. You can start thinking about what it's going to look like. Yeah. The design and the size. So you can go on the internet, obviously, and, and start looking at pictures. And you can talk to your local sauna supplier if you want to get ideas on what they look like. Internet's probably the best resource. Yeah. And it's really endless as to what it can look like. It can look something very modern. It can look old style, like a cabin. That's what I have in my backyard. It's a cabin style, so it looks yeah. very rustic. Love it. Or the the latest trend is barrel saunas is a, is an interesting style too. So yeah, it's interesting. Those are the ones that I was first exposed to in Northern Ontario. A lot of my friends' parents had the barrel sauna, and I mean, it was such a novelty for us. Um, and also, I would imagine that do you think is that easier to kind of set into place? Uh, does it take up less space? I guess it all depends on the size you're picking, right? Yeah. In general, the barrel saunas take up less space and they're easier to assemble. So that's probably one of the reasons why they've become so popular is just it gets you into a sauna very easily, very inexpensively. So if you like the style of the barrel sauna, by all means, you might want to consider it. It's super rustic and cute. And yours is yep. beautiful, the the sort of cabin style, as you say. We've also right. seen these prefabs. I know we had Jasper Pakonen on, and uh, I was looking at uh, some video of their prefabricated saunas, and they are like super modern. Yeah. It's amazing. All windows. I never, I don't associate oh, windows with sauna, right? But very modern. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's endless. You can have something old style. You can go super modern with or without glass, uh, different colors. Uh, I've yeah. seen people paint their sound as some really exotic colors to, to blend oh, in or to stand out. So it's. Yeah. That's cool. That's where you can let your like creativity fly. I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. And, and if you're not quite sure, if you need some ideas, by all means, you know, give me a call, send me an email and I'll help you uh, design something or get an idea. Yeah, that's right. Because you have experience in all manner of saunas. So if people tell you these are my needs, you can probably kind of just spit out the the perfect answer, right? Yeah. Whether it's I've, prefabricated or custom, etc. Yeah, I've done it all. I've I've assembled prefabricated saunas. I've built custom saunas indoors, outdoors. I've covered it all. So there's a pretty good chance that whatever you have in mind, I've cro- I've come across it at some point or other. Um, so yeah. I feel confident that I can create a solution for anybody. Amazing. Now I saw as part of research into this particular episode, I was really surprised and intrigued to see people uh, converting garages or sheds into saunas. I didn't really even think this was a possibility. Absolutely. So the sauna itself is essentially you're, you're, you're framing it into an, an existing space. So whether it's a standalone building or inside a shed or a garage, you know, you absolutely can do that. I've seen, and I've had people ask me, Hey, I have this shed I'm not using. Can I make it into a sauna? Absolutely. What if it's a garage size? Absolutely. You can have portion of it being a sauna and a portion of it being a change room or a lax area. You know, the, again, the possibilities are endless. 
I mean, yeah, you think about it, it's like the ultimate man cave or woman cave, like just especially with people spending so much time at home. If you have something to me, having a structure that's big that you're not using is is kind of sinful. Like in my last home, I I converted half of the big garage into a gym. Uh, If I had known I could have converted some of that into a sauna, I, I have a feeling I would have made a different choice. Yeah, that that's natural. If the the building is big enough, yeah, you know, portion of it's for the sauna, you know, a gym, yeah. workout area, big screen TV, you know, whatever whatever works for it. Amazing. Okay, so what are the are there? Do you have the list of pros and cons in terms of prefab versus custom? I mean, I know that price is probably <laughs> a big yeah, factor. The, big, the biggest difference is uh, with prefabricated is cost because you are paying for not just the materials, but you're paying for somebody to pre-assemble the panels or, or do all the, the machining of the wood. That's one. And as well, you tend to be limited in the style. Like there's not a lot of flexibility. Most manufacturers of prefab saunas have set designs with limited options. But if you go with something custom, literally it could be an odd shape or size. You could have a specific feature you wanted, your own style of windows or whatever. So custom is going to give you the most flexibility. Yeah. Um, but you're going to have to figure out who's going to construct this, whether you do it yourself or you hire somebody. Right. Yeah. For a lot of people, it might just be worth the extra cost to have somebody do it and do it right. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, as far as uh, advantages or disadvantages of certain shapes, we've talked about the barrel, we've talked about having a bigger sauna. Uh, what do you recommend? Most most saunas are going to be a square box type shape. So it's just a matter of coming up with the dimensions that make sense for you. Yeah. Um, the barrel sauna is a unique shape, obviously. It's not square. It's, it's cylindrical. Mm-hmm. That's the most common shape other than a, a square sauna. But I've seen people do a neo-angle. They might cut a corner off just to give it a little style. They might have a different slope to the roof. Um, but traditionally, most of the time, it is a fairly square rectangular box. Okay, good. And so, I mean, for those of us who want to customize our own as far as size goes, so shape we can have fun with, size, is right. there an ideal size? What should we consider? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things to think about when you're choosing the size. And the first one is how many people are, are going to be using my sauna or what's the most number of people in your sauna? If you're a private person and it's only for you and, and maybe you're a spouse or partner uh, and you're small groups, one, two or three, then you can keep the sauna fairly small. But obviously, if you want to have more people, the sauna has to be larger. One consideration is, do you want to lay down when you're in the sauna? Some people like to just lay down and zone out and maybe have a nap. And you're going to want to factor that in. So one of the benches is going to need to be, you know, approximately six feet long or, you know, two and a half meters long so that you have room to lay down. So that's one dimension that you're going to want to factor. But the typical most popular size for most families of four are approximately five by six, six by six, six by seven. That's uh, in feet. And then metric, you're looking at, you know, possibly two and a half meters by two and a half meters, maybe as much as three meters by three meters, that kind of range. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, when you think about that, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here doing this, uh, this recording in my, like, what is it? A 
12 by 14 shed, which is pretty big, but you're saying we could even go smaller for a sauna, depending yeah, on how many, how big a party you want to have, right? That's pretty big for a sauna. Mm-hmm. And there's no point in heating all that extra space yeah. if there's nobody in it. So you want to find that happy medium between not feeling claustrophobic. You want to have space. You want to have your personal space and space for whoever else is in the sauna, but you don't want to, you don't need to go terribly larger than that. And furthermore, if you go too large or go very large, it's going to take you that much longer to heat the space, or you're going to have to go with larger heaters, more wood, more electricity. So it's really not practical to go really oversized. Try and keep it practical. Yeah. Practical, easy. That's the whole point here is relaxation and no stress. So yeah. Okay. But either way, I'm, I'm getting here that no matter what decisions you make, it's probably best to obviously do your research, but also to connect with a sauna pro like you. Exactly. That's what I'm here for. So I've literally built hundreds and hundreds of saunas. So whether it's me, there's other people around, there's other resources. I'm more than more than available to answer any questions or give people guidance, help design or or supply a sound. So by all means, I'm available at any time. You can reach me at uh, email is probably the best. Yeah. And my email is alan at kivia.ca. That's alan, A-L-A-N at kivia, K-I-V-I-A dot C-A. All right. Awesome. And so let's say somebody is listening to this and thinking, all right, I can reach out to Alan, but maybe, um, maybe I want to build my own. I don't know. Uh, how, yeah. how about a, a heater if you're doing that? Cause you can't build your own heater unless you're like super, I don't know who you'd have to be to do that. <laughs> how much, how much yeah. does that set you back? What are we looking at? Yeah. There's no point in building your own heater. They have to be approved. Uh, yeah. by the local country. So um, it's really not worth trying to build one. They're readily available and they're fairly inexpensive. So if you're looking to buy an electric heater, typically they're going to be in the six to $800 range. And for wood burning heaters, it varies. So for smaller saunas, wood burning heaters tend to be slightly more expensive, maybe a hundred or $200 more. But for very large saunas, wood burnings tend to be a little less expensive. But, you know, they're fairly close. They're fairly comparable. Okay. So it's more personal preference. Yeah, it's personal preference, the sauna size. So $6,800 for an electric sauna heater and a little bit more for a wood burning heater. Okay. Good to know. Now, as far as materials go, it's not just a matter. I mean, I mean, I know all we see when we walk into a sauna is like wood, but I yeah. imagine there are other materials that we need to uh, to gather. Yes, right. So, if you're doing it yourself, then you're essentially framing up a sauna from scratch. You're taking an existing space or an existing room. The first part of it is is traditional framing. You're using a two by four stud framing. It's out of spruce. And there's insulation. You're going to want to insulate the wall, obviously, to keep the heat in. Those materials are generally readily available. You can go to a hardware store, lumber store. You know, those are fairly common products, common items. There are a couple of special products that you want to make sure you use for the sound itself. And one of them is an aluminum foil vapor barrier. So once the room is framed and you've got the insulation in place, before you put the interior lining on, you want to use this aluminum foil vapor barrier over top the insulation, and this will help to reflect the heat back into the room. Okay. 
Okay. So that you can hold your heat, it'll heat up easier and quicker, and you can maintain your the temperature that you've set easier. So that's that's number one. Number two is if you want any lights in your sauna, you should make sure you use a vapor proof light. Again, because of the temperatures, you know, plastic lights, um, cheap lights, they're just going to melt or, or not work properly. So make sure it's a vapor proof light. Right. Makes sense. And then the final thing is, is the door. So you can use a standard door, but I recommend you, you do your research on that or, or reach out to me about a door. The door should be smaller. It's smaller than a traditional door because you just need to open it to get in. You don't, the bigger the door is, the more heat loss you're going to have when you open and close the door. So you, you go with a smaller door. That. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then you just want to make sure the construction is compatible with the construction of the sauna for heat loss and things like that. Okay. And this is getting me thinking about airflow because when we spoke to the sauna twins, Jake and Max Newport from uh, Finmark yep. Sauna in the UK, they were talking yep. about the importance of airflow. Um, and, and this right. is something I bet a lot of people forget. They do. They assume like your house that air just flows and does its thing. But for a sauna, you have to take it into consideration. It's not difficult. There's a few easy tricks to do. The first one is when you install your door, you leave a very healthy space between the bottom of the door and the floor. Could be, you know, five centimeters, two inches. And what that is, because it's very low to the ground, that will actually draw cool air into the sauna. So that's your intake of fresh air. Hmm. And then you mount a vent. There's a couple places, couple suggestions on where you can do it. You can have it up very high. Uh, so that difference from low to high will force the air through. Or if you want to be a little more inconspicuous, you can put it underneath the bench somewhere where you don't see it. So uh -huh. the higher, the better. But from cosmetics, you may choose to hide it. Okay. Yeah, good to know. Um, the other thing to think about, I guess, is water, right? Because we know yeah. that with authentic sauna, we are tossing water on the rocks. And where there is right. water, we could put, potentially knock it over. Do saunas need a drain? Technically, you don't need a drain okay. because there's the only water that's going to be in the sauna is the water you have for the lulu. Mm -hmm. And when you put that water on the rocks, it always evaporates and it's only a very little bit of water and it dissipates very quickly. Okay. However, if you want to have a shower in your sauna, which some people do, then you would definitely need a drain. Yeah. But if you're only having the bucket of water in there, that's you don't need a drain. Okay. And the okay. sauna itself is very dry. So, you know, there's no moisture, there's no humidity, except for that little bit of water. Okay, excellent. Now, I know that I built my outdoor structure, keeping in mind that above a certain square footage, you need a permit. I wanted to avoid yes. that. <laughs> is, yes. Do the same rules apply for sauna? Do we need to get a, per a permit? Same rules apply. So most yeah. cities, most municipalities have you, you need a building permit for anything that's over 100 square feet or 10 square meters. It varies yeah. by municipality. So you'll want to check with your local building department. So if you, if you keep it below that size, then you don't need a building permit. Clearly, if, you, if you're converting a garage into a workshop, sauna, you know, relax area, then, you, then you'll probably need a permit. Okay. Good to know. Yeah, you don't want to skip out yeah. on that because you don't want to have to yeah. disassemble it after the right. fact. In this case, it's better to ask for permission than forgiveness. 
Right. There's yeah. also an extra factor uh, is local bylaws. Right. So when it comes to wood burning saunas, they tend to have a few more rules. They want to, for example, make sure that the, the sound is to the rear of the property and it's set back certain distances from the fence line, things like that. So the easiest thing to do is check with your local city, your local municipality, the building department on what their rules are as far as saunas are concerned or converting an existing structure, whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. Not sexy, but important. Same with insurance. Not sexy, but right. something we might want to consider. Do, do we need yes. to? Yeah. I, I think it's prudent. You know, check mm-hmm. with your insurance. Some might have it covered under some basic clause. Some will want to know especially if it's wood burning, they may want to know. Now, here's an extra little thing on the wood burning is if you choose to do it yourself, build it yourself and use a wood burning heater, your insurance may require the installation to be wet certified. That's W-E-T-T. That's not wet like water. It's wet. (laughs) It's It's a certification for wood type burning elements. So- insurance generally would want to know about that. Okay. But err on the side of caution, reach out to your insurance and say, Hey, this is what I'm planning. What do you think? <laughs> They're like, I think this is great. It might cost you a little more. It's no, great I'm just idea, kidding. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but there's always a yeah. but. And again, yeah. that's okay. Do you know how to get the, uh, the wet insurance? Just well, call your wet certification. You, certification you, need to rather, reach sorry. A, you need to reach out to somebody who installs like wood burning stoves. Yeah. Uh, they they either do the wet certification at the same time or they're connected with an inspector. Okay. But Have I you pers- get, yeah, you've done it? Yeah, I'm not I'm not wet certified, so I myself could not do it. Right. I understand what's needed, but I do I have not gone through the, the wet training for it because I don't install wood burning stoves on a regular basis. Okay. Yeah, you got enough going on, I think, yeah. especially with this yeah. podcast on top of everything else. <laughs> right. Um, now, I know having been to your home, you've got your sauna you know, a good distance from the house, and that may yeah. just be a personal style choice, but does it have to be X number of feet or meters away from the home? It doesn't. It do- the distance from your home is your personal preference. Mm-hmm. And one rule of thumb is the closer it is to your door, the more likely you are to use it, especially oh, if you yeah. are in winter climates. And you know, if it's way back in the corner, you go, hmm, do I want to? <laughs> it's it's just it's just human tendency, you know. Yeah. So try to keep it fairly close to the house. And then I also mentioned about bylaws. You want to factor in how close it is to your fence line, your property line the municipality bylaws may have something to say about that. Yes, I think it's X number of feet. I know, again, having done something similar recently, it's all fresh on my mind. Uh, I know that you need, uh, for a lot of structures, a cement pad. Does it need to be on a cement pad? Could it be on a wooden deck? Yeah, either one. It doesn't need to be a cement pad. That's one option. The key is that it's something that's solid, flat, and level. So a concrete pad will get you that. You can Mm -hmm. put it on a a wood, wooden deck as well. You can put it on a patio because the sauna itself generally has its own floor on top of that anyways. So you're just looking at it for, for structural support. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And uh, so we can have electric saunas far from the home too. I know you're saying keep yep. it close. You're more inclined to use it, but I suppose yep. the electricians can, can take care of any of that, right? Yeah. I mean, Technically speaking, they can run the electrical service as far as you need it. They, you know, so if you've got a big property or if you want it out to the back where it's more private, 
Absolutely. Yeah. You can do that. Just check with your electrician, what your limitations are. And, uh, but there's no, generally speaking, there's nothing stopping you from having an electric heater far away from your home. Nice. Okay. So then now that we've talked about all of this, the consumer in me is like trying to do the math on it. So maybe you can right. help me break down the average cost of the average okay. sauna. And I know that's hard, but I'm, I'm sure you're used yeah. to people saying ballpark, give me a ballpark. What would yeah, it be? It's important. It's, it's important to put things in perspective. So if you choose to do it yourself, uh, like a kit, like a material package where you're just buying the materials and you know, you're constructing everything yourself from scratch, you're cutting everything. You're typically looking in the three to five thousand dollar range. Yeah. Okay. Now I've certainly seen them just below that for really small saunas, and obviously large complex saunas would certainly be more than five. But three to five thousand is a good benchmark oh, for okay. a do-it-yourself kit. Okay. And that's and then that's, now if that's good, that's pretty reasonable. That's yeah, pretty reasonable. like really yeah. good. When you think and about if, how much you use it, yeah, and yeah. the fact that nobody's really going out, we want to stay in. You might as well three to five thousand. My gosh, that's pretty. That pay for itself. Yeah, and we talked about the operating cost being next to nothing, so mm. you know that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. Now, obviously, if you go fancier or you've got other features, that's going to drive up the cost. Yeah. And prefab saunas tend to be more in the eight to ten thousand dollar range and more. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of the sweet spot, eight to 10, but right. I've sold lots of saunas bigger than, you know, they're fancier, more details, whatever. And they're more, well, more than 10,000. Right. And then of course there's the transport costs. I know I just had a crane right. lifting my <laughs> shit over the, yeah. the, sorry about the constant comparisons, but I'm thinking because I've, I've already got it in my mind. You've already kind of convinced me to get one now that you, now that we're having this conversation, I feel more inclined to do it. But yeah, I, you, as long as you factor in all of those extra costs, it's still, uh, for the most part, very reasonable. Unless as you say, you want to add something super fancy, you know, you want to add a yeah. nightclub to it, a bar, uh, you know, you go for <laughs> it, but that's going to cost you some money. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Amazing. Just to give people an idea, you know, is it in the ballpark? Is it in their budget yeah. to consider? And for most people, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. And what I like about what the options that you've discussed is that it can be totally hands-on, like all hands on deck. Let's bring everybody in. Let's, you know, uh, uh, mine for resources and ha have, you know, have friends come and help us out, build it, or it can be completely yep. hands-off, do what I do, stand by and watch the crane, drop it in, and then just go in and enjoy it. So exactly. something for everybody, exactly. right? Yeah. There is. And it's, it's not even complicated. It's, it's basic construction. There's nothing overly complicated. There's a few things that you need to keep in mind. Like I've mentioned certain products that need to be in the sauna, but the rest of it's pretty straightforward. So if you're comfortable, you know, you're a handyman, do it yourself kind of guy or girl, mm -hmm. then, you know, go to town, let's do it. But there's certainly people who just want to turn the switch and have a sound in their backyard. And that's, that's great as well. That's fantastic. I mean, I, as I say, I know you've convinced me that uh, it might be time. And I'll bet you've convinced a lot of listeners who may have been kind of teetering on the fence to just jump in and go for it. So again, yeah. if you missed it earlier, you can reach Alan at Alan, A-L-A-N at Kivia.ca. And that's K-I-V-I-A dot C-A. Or you can just check out the website, Kivia.ca for more ideas. Um, and, and we're just getting started, right, Alan? Because we've only Absolutely. talked about half of the options. Well, this is only one side of things. There's certainly some similarities, but uh, yeah, we indoor saunas are a little different animal. So we want to be we want to be accurate in going through the details. 
Yes, Absolutely. I have so many questions. So uh, join us for the next episode when we talk about indoor saunas and how to. Thanks for listening to Kivia, the spirit of sauna. Please subscribe for additional episodes every two weeks. Take a moment to rate, review, and share the podcast and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Kivia Sauna. This podcast is brought to you by Kivia.ca, Canada's premier destination for the sauna community, providing expert advice, quality saunas, custom designs, as well as authentic sauna accessories. Visit us today at Kivia.ca. This has been a Memory Tree production. 